Welcome to this podcast of sermons at CUNY United Methodist Church. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews, the fourth chapter. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him, to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly the faith we profess. This is the word of God. We are in this worship series called Questions to God. This is a worship series developed by the Greater New Jersey Conference of the United Methodist Church. So I am grateful to them because I have been really enjoying going through this worship series. Because questions say a lot about us. I learned that when I was doing and interviewing and hiring over the years. The questions people ask say an awful lot about how they think, how they work, what they notice, and what's invisible to them. And our question today is, is the Bible reliable? What a loaded question. Shall we have a survey of who thinks the Bible is reliable? Because if you're like me, the first question is, reliable for what? Is it a factual account of history, a source of truth, good for holding doors open, you know, a good source for good cake recipes. (laughs) Reliable for what? And then, I want to say, which Bible? How about the Vulgate, the Latin translation from the fourth century? Or Luther's Bible, which was a German translation in the 1500s. Luther put James at the end, said that was an epistle of straw. Or the King James Bible, an English translation of the 1600s, which was a translation of the original languages, very good translations of its time. But if anyone has ever been to a Shakespeare play, Shakespeare was writing about the same time, you know that English has changed. So to be clear, the Bible is not a book, it is a collection of works. Some were books, like Genesis and Exodus, Some are letters like Romans and Ephesians. Some are hymnals like the Psalms. Some are wisdom writings like Proverbs and Job. Some were in oral tradition for hundreds of years before they were written down. They were stories told out loud, memorized, handed down. And our scripture writings span a huge length of time. So scholars, think that Exodus, the event of people being delivered out of slavery from Egypt and coming into Canaan, that that happened about 1200. But the writing of Exodus, of the book that we have, happened somewhere between 800 and 600 BCE. Genesis was written later. Genesis was written between 600 and 500 AD. The letters of the New Testament 
Now, you, uh, Jesus, scholars think Jesus uh, was crucified in about 30 uh, CE. The letters of the New Testament were all written between about 48 and 67 CE. The Gospels were written after that, between 66 and 110 CE. So there's this huge breadth of time. And then, if we're going to talk about the Bible as English speakers, what translation? Muslims ask all their people to learn Arabic so they can read the Quran in Arabic. Jewish children go to Hebrew school so they can read the Torah in Hebrew. Christians do translations. And as you know, there is no such thing as a perfect translation. But even original languages, just looking at Shakespearean English, 400 years to us, even in the same language, messages can get lost. And then, which books are we actually talking about? What is actually included in the Bible? Because there was a lot more written in ancient Israel and during the time of the early church than what we include as sacred scripture. People had to discern what books would be included. That, that list of included books is called the canon. There were church councils in the 300. And they, they listed what books would be included in the New Testament. And for the Old Testament, they used uh, the, the Hebrew scriptures of the time, which was a Greek translation called the Septuagint. You get to learn all these fun things in seminary. A Greek translation called the Septuagint. And it, it was a translation of those Hebrew scriptures plus some others written in Greek like Maccabees and Judith. And then, during the Protestant Reformation, folks noticed that the local Jews were using a different scripture. They were using a Hebrew-only set of books. And the Protestants said, those nasty Catholics, those Papas, they snuck extra books in on us, so we're going to change. And so now, our, the Protestant Bible includes only those books originally in Hebrew, and the Catholic Bible includes all those books included by those church councils in the 300s. And then, let's talk about manuscript. How do we have these manuscripts from you know, 1,700 years ago, because this is what most of them look like now. So, you know, 2,000 years ago, nobody made a really nice copy of Scripture and sealed it up for us to find 2,000 years later. When they copied Scripture, they used it. And they used it till it fell apart. And most of our what we have today, our oldest manuscripts look like this. They're incomplete, and they don't match. So scholars sit down and look at them and try to figure out when they don't match, what, what version do they use? Okay, so are you drowning in details yet? <laughs> some of you are drowning, and some of you are like, woohoo, water to swim in. <laughs> Sometimes when we talk about the Bible, we act as if it just fell out of the sky, complete as it is. And actually, the word of God that we call the Bible is a gift from our ancestors in the faith. And when you learn about this history of the Bible, you realize how we are relying on the faithfulness, on the inspiration of a lot 
of people. There's the people, the inspired writers, the writers who wrote it down, who recorded these encounters with God. There's the copyists who copied, who found these writings so sacred that they copied it over so people could hear. There are the original hearers and readers that experienced God in the writing. There were the people who discerned the canon. There were the translators who helped to give us the meaning of these ancient writings. And so the Bible that we have today is this holy result of faith that spans centuries, millennia. Those original writers had an experience of God that was so holy, so important, that it had to be shared and they wrote it down. And those copyists found something so holy and so sacred that it had to be shared and so they copied for centuries by hand so that others could hear and they added illumination. They added drawings and images and gold plating to add depth to the message. And then there were the people who discerned the canon, those lists of books. They looked at what books were being used by the church, what, were, what was already considered sacred text. And they put those in the canon. And the translators who used their language and cultural expertise to faithfully pass on the meanings of these ancient writings to us. God was there in the writing. God was there in the copying. God was there in discerning the canon. And God was there in the translation. And so were people. Bound by their own worldview. Never perfect. And then there is us the hearers, the readers of these words. And God is there for us in the reading and the receiving of these scriptures. And we are there too, bound by our worldview, never perfect. So is the Bible reliable? Is it a source of truth, as a source of facts? A friend of mine who's Irish, grew up in Limerick, so there's an old Irish proverb, all stories are true, some actually happen. <laughs> so the Bible fundamentally, it is about God and God's people. And the reason it was written and copied and preserved and translated is so that we can receive their witness. We can receive their testimony about their encounter with God. And if we use the Bible for anything else, we twist it. When we ask questions of it or that, are, that are not faithful, when we put our own agenda on it, when we hear God created the heavens and the earth, and then we say, well, how long did it take? How many seconds? We twist the Bible whenever we pull individual verses out to support our own opinion rather than being formed by the whole message. And the temptation of Jesus, we see Satan can do that too. So is the Bible reliable? I'm always puzzled by folks who call themselves Bible believing. 
but ignore some parts of the Bible. We're, we're going through Deuteronomy right now in our Bible study, and Deuteronomy 10, 19 says, you shall love the stranger. And there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of verses about welcoming the immigrant and the foreigner and the alien. Or Deuteronomy 15, 1, which says, every seventh year, you shall grant a remission of debts. And I don't see anybody down at the legislature with a bill that every seven years all debt gets wiped out. I'm also puzzled by people who expect the Bible to be perfect. Perfect clarity of message, perfect consistency, and somehow perfectly drafted for our 21st American sensibilities. These are old texts of people who had encounters with God. If you're looking to the Bible to cut people down, to justify your own self-interest, it's going to disappoint you because it will only serve you that way if you twist it and if you leave lots of it out. But if you are looking to the Bible to be inspired by the testimony of people who over thousands of years had encounters with God, these encounters that changed their lives, changed their lives so much they called it salvation. If you are looking to the Bible for that, then the Bible is for you. That through their testimony, we discover our own encounters with God. Encounters that change our lives, change our lives so completely that we call it salvation. And it is when we read it that way that we join with the author of the letter to the Hebrews in saying the word of God is alive and active. That word that is bigger than just the individual words printed on the page, but is that message of God that deeper meaning behind those words, that message that comes to us in Jesus the Christ, that message that comes to us through the Holy Spirit. And I am hoping that as you leave today, transformed by the word of God, that you go with more questions than answers. That you go with questions like, what was the intent of the biblical author? How would original readers have heard this? How does translation affect it? How does this passage fit in God's history of salvation? And what could God be saying to me today? And I'm hoping that your questions lead you deeper into study of the Bible. We are, there's a Tuesday evening a Bible study at Lucky Perk at Eagle and Overland. We're going through Deuteronomy, which was very helpful. Those passages just popped out last Tuesday. On Thursday at 10 o'clock here, there's a men's Bible study. If you're interested in doing personal Bible study, I put a link on our webpage of, of lots of different Bible studies you can do on your own or you're welcome to explore our library. I'm hoping that your questions get you into these inspired writings, these testimonies given to us. That you, go, that you go in looking for stories to inspire you, for poetry to uplift you, 
for wisdom to convict you, for letters to guide you, and to gospels to unite you with Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is preached almost always by our pastor, Reverend Mia Crossway. CUNY United Methodist Church is a community on a mission to make disciples for the transformation of the world. To support this podcast and the missional priorities of this church, go to cunaumc.org and click on Give. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you things.